Welcome to the Wednesday night Bible study. You have your Bibles. If you'd go to James, the fourth chapter, we just want to read our verse. And what we've done, we've come to a part in that fourth chapter where James touches on prayer. And we paused and we said, let's go and dig a little deeper. That's the beauty of a Wednesday night. You're not in a rush. Amen. And so let's go a little deeper and look at prayer in general. Because they were not getting their prayers answered. And we found out why, that their motives were were impure. But we ask ourselves, well, how can we pray as believers to be more successful? I don't want to just pray for cardio, right? That's what the treadmill's for. Uh, someone says you ought to get on it more. Well, don't mind your own bit now. Um, uh, <laughs> but, but I want to be able to pray effectively. And so the best thing to do then is go to the Word of God and see what the Bible teaches us on how to pray effectively. So if you would, James 4, let's read our three verses and then we'll jump into our our teaching tonight. What causes fights and quarrels? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet. You can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight. Now he says, you don't have, but you don't ask God. When you ask God, but when you do ask God, when you finally say, I'm going to pray about it, you still don't receive, but you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So we pause there. And we said, you know, they're not getting their prayers answered. I don't want to imitate that. Amen. I want to learn from that. And in that context, their motives were impure. I would say, Lord, make sure my motives are pure. Isn't that right? There's been a time or two in ministry, my, my wife said, asked me, honey, you sure that that's the Lord or that's just not you? You know, you know, a lot of times I want to, you know, I, especially when I was younger, I straightened some things out. You know what I mean? Uh, and I had to make sure it was the Lord. Amen. I, sometimes it wasn't just Joe. Just I didn't like it. I'd rather just, you know, I'm a, you know, but it wasn't the God telling me to meddle with it. Just let it go some things. Other things, it was the Lord. And God is speaking and showing me things, and you got to deal with it. And that's never fun, is it, if you ever do that. But we have to recognize our motives are important. But we studied guidelines for getting our prayers answered for effective prayer. And I'll repeat this later on. We certainly want to get answers to prayer. But let's always remember as Christians the most important reward of prayer is praying itself. The privilege we have, not just getting, certainly we want to get answers, that's, but even more than that, that we have the privilege of communing with God, amen? Fellowship with the Lord. And so as we get to our point tonight, we're going to see why that's so important. So very quick review. We said if I'm going to pray effectively according to the Bible, we are to pray, we're to ask in faith, amen? And we, we read a lot of that. Ask believing, amen? Because if you, don't, if you doubt, you're not going to get anything from God. Jesus said, when you ask, believe. But we said, believing and persevering. And when we ask in faith, we're saying to pray, believing and pray, persevering. And we studied all that. It's very important to believe in God's person and God's power and God's believe because God honors faith. But also persevere because Jesus told a number of parables encouraging us to ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, right? He told parables about knocking on that door. That woman or that neighbor keeps knocking on the door and the widow just keeps going at it. And he says, in the same way, you've got to persevere in prayer. Because sometimes things don't happen overnight. There's a spiritual battle out there. And we said, why do we have to persevere? And we expanded that thought. And we said, there's a spiritual opposition out there. Paul said, though, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We do wrestle, don't we? against spiritual powers and principalities. There is an invisible war going on that you and I are part of. And we saw in the book of Daniel where the Lord just kind of pulled back the veil and gave us an insight into the invisible realm. 
And we saw the powers of darkness and how they try to hinder prayers. So there is a real reason why we've got to persevere. There, there are spiritual forces that try to hinder God's answer from coming and try to hinder you and I from praying. How many people have given up? I'm glad people didn't give up on me, amen? And so we want to keep praying and believing. Then we said, if we're going to pray effectively, we pray in faith, believing, persevering, but also we've got to pray in Jesus' name. The Bible teaches that. We took a whole session on that, didn't we? We pray in his name. There's confidence, and that name's above every name. Amen? When I pray in his name, it also limits me because I just can't pray my own thing. I've got to pray what would glorify him and what's in line with his character and his nature. Pray in the name of Jesus. And then also we're going to pray according to God's will. And we studied that. Amen? We got confidence to know if I pray anything according to his will, he hears me. So I've got to make sure I'm praying his will. And the, the first step for that is to know my Bible, to go to what is written. Amen? And when you know something's clearly written, you can pray about that with complete confidence. God Almighty has revealed, this is my will. I want to do this in your life. It's my pleasure to bring this to pass in your life. So you can pray about this with expectation, faith, and perseverance. Amen? But then we stopped and we said, but you know, not everything's in the book. Amen? Uh, do I take this job or that job? Uh, um, should I go here or there? So not everything is, you know, but we want to pray according to God's will. And sometimes we struggle because we forget that God is a God of times and seasons. And sometimes we're praying for something, we believe it's God and it could be God, but it's not the time of God, amen? And sometimes people get frustrated and they get discouraged. And it has nothing to do with God's power, God's willingness. It's just not time yet. There's a timing in the things of God. The Bible says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Amen? There was a specific time that God sent Jesus into the earth. And that's how God works in our lives. There's timing. Delay doesn't mean denial. But we found out that faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. There's timing. But also we found out why we have to persevere. While we have to recognize the will of God, there's a timing in God. But also, when we walk with the Lord, we have to realize God at times has ways that are different than ours, purposes that are higher than ours. I mean, Paul prayed about this thorn in the flesh without even discussing what it might be or what it wasn't. The fact remains, God had a hidden purpose for that thing. He was allowing something. Because Paul, now Paul could pray. And, and Paul could pray. And, I mean, if I, if I knew Paul, he'd be the first guy I'd call if I had a problem. And Paul, that man could pray. Amen? You read his life. He knew how to pray. He prayed three times that God would remove this thing. And finally, he's saying, well, I don't get it. And when I pray, I get answers. And the Lord said, Paul, that thing is doing a work in your life. It's keeping you into a place where my glory can rest upon you. My grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes we pray, God, deliver me. God says, receive my grace. God, get rid of this thing. God says, I'm giving you all the grace you need to walk through that thing. So we find out, that, you know, sometimes God has purposes that we don't see. And that's why he allows certain things. So I can pray to the cow comes home about certain things. But sometimes God allows because they're doing something I don't see or I don't recognize. If the Lord didn't come to Paul and show him that, he would have went through his life praying and praying, wondering why can't I get an answer? What am I doing wrong? And the whole time is God was allowing it because it kept Paul in a place 
where God could continue to use him and bless him. There's hidden purposes in the, what are they? I don't know, they're hidden. There's hidden purposes in life. That's why, friends, we got to trust God even when we don't understand God. Amen? Well, we got to be able to praise God even when we can't discern God. I mean, I mean, amen. All right, let's keep going. Um, And lastly, we said, when we're praying according to God's will, we also have to remember, you know, there are some things in life that are good things, that are noble things, but there are not for you things. David wanted to build a temple, didn't he? And that was certainly a noble thing. That was a good thing. That was a God-glorifying thing. In fact, it was going to happen, but just not through David. And when God showed up, he said, no, no, your desire is good, but you're not the one. Your son's going to do it. And David helped him, prepared for him. But we learn from that. Sometimes when you and I pray, um, we're so quick to say, God said he's going to give me the desires of my heart. Well, sometimes they're your desires and not his. David had a desire in his heart. And it was a good desire, noble, God-glorifying desire. But God and his sovereignty. Hey, not everyone can, can walk, move in certain gifts. Isn't that right? Doesn't the Bible say that we should desire gifts, but ultimately God gives the gifts. God chooses, we don't. Not everyone can say, I'm going to be a great singer. God gives that gift, or he don't. Everyone's going to say, I want to have a gift like Dr. Mark, praying for people and prophesying. Hey, God gives those gifts. You, you, you don't go to the store and buy those gifts, amen? You don't get a blue light special, the gifts, amen? Walmart, get there at midnight, you get them. No, it don't work like that. Isn't that true? And not everyone could be a, an evangelist. Not everyone could be a pastor. Not everyone could be a teacher. God gives certain gifts. We make ourselves available. We offer ourselves, say, Lord, please use me. I'm willing, Lord, to respond. But not everybody can go to the nations and preach the gospel. God hasn't called everyone to that. Not everyone can move. So again, we realize that, you know what? When we pray according to God's will, sometimes we have to recognize that there could be noble desires that are not God's desires. So we need to pause and try to say, Lord, you show me. I want to spend the rest of my life praying for something you don't want to answer. Show me what your will is so I can get that witness and then really align my faith with your will and believe. Amen? So remember, like we said last time, while you're waiting and God is working, keep believing, keep behaving, keep becoming, and keep on walking. Can you say amen? All right, now lastly, and this is why it's so nice to have Bible study. Because we're just here to study the word together. And this is important. When we pray, if we want to be effective in our prayers, we want to make sure we're in right relationship with others and that we have no unconfessed sin in our own heart. This is why Bible study is so good. Amen? You know, it's not the big evangelistic meeting. The goal is to get everyone down here snotting and snorting. The goal here is just let's, open, let's study the Bible together. We've come on a Wednesday night. Amen? We pray one for another. We praise the Lord, and now we just open the Bible like a big adult Sunday school class here, amen? And we just want to study the Word of God. So um, we want to, i got to recognize this, it's very important. My, my, my relationship here affects my relationship here. From Genesis through, I can't get away from it. Your relationships with people affect your relationship with God. You can't separate them, you can't separate them. And we're going to see some of that, we're, we're going to see some of that. Um, to pray effectively with God's blessing, I, I must check my own heart in relationships with others. These relationships affect one another. I, I can't be, obviously, I can't be in disobedience and expect God's favor. 
disobedience or unforgiveness or, or things undone. You know how the older we get, I'm finding this out, the older we get um, in the natural, we get more checkups, don't we? Now, I used to go years without seeing a doctor, amen, years that I, you know, can't do that anymore. I mean, now, you're not just one doctor, now you got a handful in there, and it's staggered. I mean, the older you get, the more um, examinations you need, amen? Well, I'll tell you what, spiritually, we got to practice consistent examinations. Let a man examine himself, amen? And I think you know, I got a doctor. You got one doctor, he's staggering every six months. The other one's sticking there. I mean, every time. My dad told me when he retired, said, he said, Joe, he said, if it wasn't for your, your, your mother's doctor's appointments and my appointments, I wouldn't know what day it is. Amen. You know, once, once you're retired, you don't go anywhere. One day's all the same. Well, I wouldn't even know what a calendar is. But we have to examine ourselves. But I can't, I can't be grieving or quenching the spirit and expect to pray in faith. Remember, faith is not just zeal. Though zeal is okay, Bible applauds zeal, godly zeal, and enthusiasm. But, but, but that's not faith. Faith's a spiritual thing that moves mountains. So praying in faith isn't just, you know, gritting your teeth a little and getting a little louder. It's a spiritual thing. And I can't grieve and quench the Spirit of God in me in praying faith. I can mimic a prayer of faith. I can parrot a prayer of faith. But I really can't pray the prayer of faith if my heart has been grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit. Are you getting me? Let's look at this together. Let's look at this together. i got to check my heart and my motives, like in James. Examine myself. Ask, is there something? Um, listen, the first thing I'm going to do when I'm praying about something, there's not an answer. Before I bind the devil of Durant, I'm going to take a look inside Joe's heart and make sure Joe didn't say something snotty to his wife. I'll make sure Joe didn't disobey something the Spirit was telling me to do. Come on. Amen. They know no sense in fighting demons when the trouble's right here in the mirror. All right? And I'm going to learn that now. So to consistently pray effectively, I need to examine and make sure things are right. Things are right, number one, in my heart. Number two, in my home. Number three, in my church. That means among the brethren. Number four, in my world. That just means everywhere I go. Uh, it could be a stranger. Amen? And he might be a stranger. And God says... Be kind to them. Or, you know, you say, oh, why God, you answer me. God says, you are snotty to the lady at Publix. You're going through a rough day, and you should have been kind and shed the light of Jesus. But instead, you acted snotty, and God says, you think now I'm going to jump just because you, you know, use my son's name like a rabbit foot? And see, we've got to get sensitive to the Spirit. And the more sensitive to the Spirit we get, the more power we'll have in the Spirit. So let's look at this together. Number one, in my heart, I want to have an effective prayer life, and so do you. Amen? And I recognize as a sincere believer, prayer is such a blessing that we can talk to the Lord. Amen? We can commune with God more than just getting answers. It's the privilege of knowing the Lord, communing and walking close with Jesus. So number one, in my heart, Psalm 66 and verse 18. Psalm 66 and verse 18. You know, here's, here's David, and he basically says, you know, if I cherish sin or iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. If I harbor, cherish, if I, um, if I regard, if I, like a harbor, if I harbor sin in my heart, if I keep it and don't confess it, if I try to hide it instead of getting it out, you know what? God won't hear me. I got to keep a pure heart if God's going to hear me. Amen? Amen? 
All right? But what, what, is, what did Isaiah say? Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Remember he said, uh, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is ear too dull to hear. But he's saying to the people of Israel, But listen, God, God's still as powerful as ever. Amen? And God, he knows everything that's going on. He still hears your faintest cry. He still sees everything you're going through. And God can turn anything around. God can solve any mess. God can resurrect any dead situation. God is still God. The problem's never on his line. But he's talking to the nation here. But your iniquities have separated you from them. Your sins have hidden his face so they won't hear. He can hear, he won't hear. He's decided, I'm not going to listen to you. Why? Be- because of iniquity. So, so we got to realize that one thing, if I'm going to have an effective prayer life, i got to keep my heart pure. We, we, we use that illustration a lot. Um, sometimes people get a kink in their hose. Isn't that right? You're out washing the car, and that water's flowing, and then all of a sudden you go around here, and I mean, just a little dot, dot, and you're, what in the world? You know the well don't run dry. The way it's been raining. <laughs> it got plenty of water in the well. And you look, and there's a kink in the hose. And though sometimes heaven is full of blessing, heaven is full of answers, amen? But sometimes I do something, I get snotty, or I harbor something, or I'm unforgiveness in here towards someone, and it stops the flow. I put a kink in the hose. So if I want to pray effectively, I have to, in my heart, my heart's got to be right. Amen? I've got to exempt my, in my heart. Make sure I'm not harboring any sin or, or making excuses for any sin. Cherishing. That's what cherishing is. By cherish sin. Oh, God. Okay. In fact, I want to um, examine myself. How did David say, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He says, I'm going to examine. Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Amen. David was a man for God's own heart, wasn't he? And how do you pray? Search me, O oh God. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Well, one of the things we have to do, it's like, it's like hygiene in the natural. It's just something we practice. And part of our spiritual disciplines and devotions is spiritual hygiene. For instance, my word, the word of God, it is bread that energizes me and feeds me, but it's also a mirror that examines me. Amen? The Bible says that. Amen? And the Holy Spirit, though the Holy Spirit is the power of God that anoints me, boy, it's also the Holy Spirit of God that can convict me and and deal with me. Amen? And so one of the things we develop as Christians as we do our devotions is practice our spiritual hygiene. When I read the Word, I'm not just getting encouraged. The Word's also speaking to me. Might be showing me areas that I need to improve. Might be showing areas that, you know what, I've been neglecting. How many times I read that thing? And, oh, patience shows up. Oh, boy. Amen. I can, you get convicted. You make an altar right there with your coffee cup and say, Lord, forgive me. I haven't been too patient here. Help me get. And, and, but this is part of it. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive, uh, in the Hebrew, painful. I like that. Painful way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. See if there be any way in me that's going to bring me pain. And show it to me so I can avoid it and get rid of it. As Barney Fife would say, I can nip it in the bud. Amen? Nip it, nip it, nip it. So what we want to look here, 
I'm going to study, again, let a man examine himself, right? 1 Corinthians 11. So first thing, I want to have, a, I want to have an effective prayer life. And I want to make sure my communion with God stays sweet. And, and you know, m- remember the day, I, I guess, you're trying to get that radio in, get the little antenna, your little AM, and get that static, get that static, amen? And then it's nothing, you hold it like this, they're like, boom, you, get, you just get it right. Well, sometimes people get a static thing in their relationship with God. And it's because they've allowed things that have brought interference. Let a man examine himself. And, and again, remember, there's, out of the many words, the Bible uses to describe our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Two words that we'll put in this context. Two words. Um, quench. Think about quench. And grieve. Those are two words. There's, there's a handful. But those are two words that the Lord uses to describe the Holy Spirit's relationship with you and I. You know that we can, we can, we can quench the Holy Spirit. Quench means to what? Put out. Right? To, to quench. To put out. To, to extinguish a fire. You know? You look at some people and you say, man, what happened to your joy? What happened to your excitement? What happened to your enthusiasm? You used to praise God and be happy to be in God's house, but something's quenched that fire, isn't it right? Something has quenched it. They used to be so free in their worship to love the Lord and give God glory for who he's, and now they're quenched. The other one's grieve. You know the word grieve, it means to wound. Have you ever been wounded in your heart? It's of what someone said or did. We all have, haven't we? Amen? Sometimes people didn't even realize they were saying something that was a tender spot to you. But, you know, so they might not even have meant it, but you were grieved by it. Well, that's what the Lord uses to describe the Holy Spirit. When we, we do things we shouldn't do, and the Holy Spirit grieves, he gets wounded. Whenever we find ourselves having wounded the Spirit, or we're doing something that's starting to drop, dent, drench, the spirit in our lives. We need to stop and say, Lord, I need to cleanse that. I'm not going to harbor that. I'm going to confess that. Amen? I'm not going to conceal that. I'm going to bring that before the throne and get it cleansed and get it washed. First thing I need to do, if I'm going to have an effective prayer life, starts with my heart. Before my home, got to start with my heart. I've got to make sure things are right. And I've got to live a life of spiritual hygiene. Amen? Isn't that true? We, we, spiritual hygiene, you don't wait so you got an abscess here and run to the dentist. Hopefully every day you're brushing. Every day you're flossing. You know the whole nine yards, right? You don't do it because it's a thrill. You don't do it and say, yippee, I got to get back in there. And the older you get, it seems like more stuff gets stuck in there. Amen. But, but, you, but, you, but, it's, but some, it's, it's a discipline you develop. And there are certain spiritual disciplines we develop. And one thing we do, Lord, search me. Lord, as I read the word, Encourage me, but Lord, if there's something, speak to me. And when he speaks, we're quick not to harbor it, but to confess it so we can cleanse it. And we want to keep no kink in that hose. We want to keep that relationship. But you know, you can have a relationship. You can have a relationship. And you can have a knockout, drag out, but it didn't affect that relationship. That still, but there's a strain in it. There's a, you see what I mean? And a lot of times with the Lord, we're still saved and we're still the son, but you can get a strain in that. So we want to make sure we search him. Number two, not only do I'm going to search my heart, I got to search my home. I got, if I'm going to have a prayer life that stays sweet and intimate, powerful with God, if I want to have power with God, I got to have peace in my home. 
1 Peter 3 and 7. 1 Peter 3 and 7. In my home, in my home. 1 Peter 3 and 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with your wives. Dwell with them with understanding. Understanding. Mm, interesting. Giving honor. Now, I, I chose to have um, Drina put the New King James because the NIV says um, giving respect. Respect is not strong enough a word from the Greek. You, I respect people in certain offices that I really don't honor. You honor someone there's respect, but you can respect certain people of almost formality and not really honor them. So honor is just the better word. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Isn't that beautiful? That your prayers may not be wow let me read a few notes that some of the different different writers and commentators said some neat things and dr david said as the closest human relationship the relationship to one's spouse must be most carefully cherished if one wishes a close relationship with god how about that Wow, I like that. There's another one. Unless a man fulfills these obligations, there's a barrier between his prayers and God. Isn't that interesting? What he's talking about? Well, he said, number one, consider. Be considerate or dwell with them according to knowledge. Get to know them. Know their fears, know their desires. Personal insight that leads to loving consideration and care, personal insight. And again, we can't go deep on this. It's not our topic. The topic is hindered prayer. But then showing honor, showing both verbally and physically, showing honor, proper respect. And I like this. One, one writer put it like this. The size of the injured wife comes between the husband's prayers and God's hearing. <laughs> Wow. So if, if I am going to keep my prayer life fresh and healthy, both communing with God and also seeing answers, number one, I, I got to make sure everything's good in my heart. Amen. That I'm not harboring disobedience or, you know, unforgiveness, but also that in my home, that treating my wife properly. And we can expand the home thing because the Bible talks about how fathers should treat children, children should respect parents and, and, and wives and husbands and so forth. We, we can expand that. We're just, we just going to have a short time here. But for the home, for the home, amen? If I want to have an impact in heaven, I've got to have peace in my home. I've got to walk uprightly in my home. There's got to be love and honor and respect in my home. Amen? Because again, how I treat her is going to determine a whole bunch in how he treats me. Amen? You know, especially back in those days, the weaker vessel, not talking emotionally weaker or mentally or spiritually, but physically weaker in that, in that culture. He's saying, don't you be a bully. You be a bully. God will bully you. Don't you be a bully. You honor them. Verbally, you speak with honor. How you, they're treated, you speak with honor. Oh, my dad was big on that. 
two boys. When we got older, we could go back and forth with dad a little bit. We knew where to draw the line before he'd knock us out. But anyhow, we, but don't you dare, at, you, know, you don't say anything to mom. You say your tone, your, you look not good. You, 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 your head might still be rolling. We understood she was the queen of that house. Amen. My, I, was, I never understood it so much back then, so I stopped reading my Bible. You know, you live up north, and you get three, four feet of snow. Seems like half the year. And that wind comes howling. It gets dark about three in the afternoon, it seems. It's cold. And my dad would work shift work. He said, I ever come home and ever find out she took the garbage out. You guys have had it. You'll find it on your bed. And I just always thought that was dad, dad getting on our case. But I found out when I got older, my mom's barely 100 pounds. He, one of the ways he honored her in the house. He was saying she's special, more special than you. Wow. Honor. But that's, that's Bible, isn't it? Isn't that Bible? Am, you know, am I reading the Bible? Yeah. So I can get up there and say, in the name of Jesus, and that's all spiritual. I'm not tr- acting right in that home. God says, you don't fool with me. I can get back to teaching. That's stir up the preaching, me, brother. Ah, I can preach. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I got to keep going. In, in, in my church, in my church, oh, Lord, in my church. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. This is interesting. Among the brethren, you know, the, I, I can't come and just about cuss my brother out and then come in here and jump up and down like I'm spiritual. Saying hallelujah, blah, blah, blah. God said, you phony. You fool them, you can't fool me. In fact, one of the few times, just a few times in the Bible, that God actually says your worship is sin is when you have ought against your brother and you're not dealing with it. Check this out. This is Jesus. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, that's pretty sacred, amen? That's pretty important, isn't it? I mean, we're bringing the God or... And then you remember your brother is something. Remember... Or something against you. God says, stop. Don't collect $200. Don't pass go. Amen. He says, stop. Leave your gift right where it is. And first, go and be reconciled. See that? Then come. Then come. Where you see reconciliation precedes worship. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? You know, back in the old days, back in the old days, I had a great aunt. She was a assembly guy pastor back in the 50s and 60s, Ukrainian, Olga. <laughs> and, um, and I remember when they'd have that holy communion, you know, they take it serious, search your heart. I mean, as a pastor, she'd point a couple out, she'd point, she said, you two, no communion. You two get right, get things right. They took that serious. Amen? Because now that we take communion, we're, we're supposed to examine ourselves, right? One of the things I examine, how's it between me and my brother? And here Jesus is saying, if I'm offering my gift, and I remember, you know what? I didn't apologize to him. I did something mean, and you know, I need to make that right. I'm not going to act like a hypocrite. I'm going to go make things right with my brother. And then I'm going to come. Because here I can be worshiping, singing the latest song, dancing the latest dance that they're teaching. Amen? Got the strobe light on you. You know, whatever else they're going to do. 
Or God says, if I don't have something right with my brother, God says, to me, it's a joke. There's a quote, and I think it's Isaiah, where God says, stop, not maybe Malachi, stop lighting useless fires. Isn't that amazing? In the picture, as they're having worship, like they really think they're, you know, they got it going. They got it going. They got the latest music. I mean, they're all, and God looks at the thing. They think they got, you know, they're ready to sell their latest records, and they're ready for everyone to, you know, want their copyrights. And God looks at the whole mess and says, shut out, turn off the useless fire, shut the doors. Because God looks at more than just the expression of worship. He looks at the heart of the worshiper. And so if I want to keep my prayer life strong, I want to make sure, I, I, I want to walk in love with the brethren, both ways. Amen? If I miss it, I'm sorry. If someone misses it, I'm sorry, you're forgiven. But I want to make sure I'm not harboring and, and, and allowing. Because here, here's a thought. This is important to God and it should be important to us. Reconciliation precedes worship. And sometimes we have to make things right to remove the hindrance. How did Barclay say it? Our relationship with God can never be right if our relationship with our fellow man is wrong. But in this case here, all right, searching my heart, my home, my church, the brethren. Again, if I'm going to church and I'm getting ready and I remember, you know what? I need to make things right. Stop it, make it right, then go. And go on with your worship. And last but not least, in my heart, in my home, in my church, and then just in my world, just generally. Um, my fellow man, look, look at Matthew 6, 12 through 15. And we pray, Lord, give me a forgiving spirit. Help me have a forgiving spirit. Amen? Uh, the Lord forgave us. He forgave us. Amen? And we didn't deserve it. Isn't it right? It cost him much. But he forgave us, didn't he? Help me to do likewise. And we pray, forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men, your Father won't forgive you. Pray, Lord, I want to have a forgiving spirit. I, I want to, Lord, like you forgave me, I want to do likewise. So, so that's, our, that's, our, that's our, our final part about prayer. If we're going to pray and be effective, we're going to pray in faith. Amen. We're going to pray in the name of Jesus. We're going to pray according to God's will. We're, we're going to do that. We're, we're going to pray um, persevering. We're going to pray recognizing God as a timing. But we're going to pray and make sure that we're right relationship with others. Because my relationship with you affects my relationship with him. And one of the things I want you know, it's like, you know, you go down that rifle range. You're going to shoot. You clean that weapon. You make sure it's sighted in. You don't just go haphazardly. You know, and the same thing when we approach God, we got to make sure our vessel's clean. When we approach God, we got to say, Lord, search me, O oh God, and see. Is there anything in me that's going to keep me from really praying in faith? Is there anything that's going to keep me, Lord? Is there anything that's going to keep you, Lord, from really moving in my life? Amen? And so I know that one. That's why we study the Bible, though. Not every, not every you know, but when we grow up in the things of God, not every service has to be a yippee, let's run the aisles and do cartwheels, or we didn't have church. Mm -hmm. Sometimes to go a little deeper into spiritual growth, we have to be able to look at the word of God and say, search me, O oh God. Search me, O oh God. 
is I want to be the one you've called me to be. Amen? We pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're a God that forgives. We thank you that you're a God of compassion. And we thank you, Lord, that you have shown us these things in your word so we can practice spiritual hygiene. So we can examine ourselves and let you examine us when we draw near to you. That we can learn the things that matter to you so they'll matter to us. And we can make sure, Lord, that we are getting our hearts right in these various areas and relationships so that there'll be nothing in between us, nothing hindering our communion, Lord, nothing hindering our sweet fellowship. Lord, I don't want there to be anything between my, my communing with you. I don't want anything grieving the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't want anything quenching that fire of the Spirit in my life. Help me, Lord, to walk in love like you walked in love. Help me, Lord, to treat others like you treated me. Help me, Lord, to grow stronger and to develop a much more powerful and fruitful prayer life. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, God bless you. Have a great night. We'll see you on Sunday.